friends, welcome to episode 163 of Storyteller Conclaves. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? I'm doing okay. Yeah, uh, surprisingly so. Yeah. Um, we are both praising every nickel we spent on Central Air. Oh god, yes. Uh, because it is a uh, balmy 97 degrees Fahrenheit in Detroit right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, and humidity is right there with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh so uh we uh we got ourselves some sandwiches and uh and and parked ourselves back down here in the basement happily. So uh, <laughs> in the basement where it's freezing cold. It is. It is nice right now actually, so. Yeah. Um didn't have any events happen between. I don't think so. Um closest thing I've got to an event going on is next weekend um we're doing our session 0.2 for my Savage Worlds game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you've got the new fantasy companion that came with, uh, that you just got, and it's been an interesting review. Yeah. Uh, it's, so the, the alpha of the fantasy companion for Savage Worlds came out. Um, they, uh, uh, they did kind of an internal Kickstarter, mm-hmm. um, with it, and then the backers get basically alpha copies of it. Yeah. And they ask for feedback and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will continue to update it very much like a beta testing process. And uh, when they when they are satisfied with all the changes that, are, that need to be made, they will send that back out uh, and get it, send it for print and stuff like that. Um, and it looks good. It does. Like, initial it initial impressions. I'm very happy with it. Well, I mean, they're also not doing this whole cloth. This is this has been around. Oh yeah, like, it's a good yeah. property. It's a it's good publications. They know what they're doing. I think it was just really well put. And and I'm not saying that, you know, a lot of groups, when they put out an alpha, it is rough. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the text may be blocked in the right places, but there's often misspelling. Sometimes there's lineups. Sometimes there's art, like art to be placed. Sure. Kind sure. of stuff like that. But this felt very complete. It's like, this feel, feels like it was going to the publisher in this state to be, to be, uh, alignment checked and things like that. Well, the good news is that, um, I mean, they had two things going for them. They had the previous fantasy companion to build off. Of. Mm-hmm, so this is mm-hmm. not their first rodeo by any means. Uh, but also they just recently put out, um, Savage Pathfinder as yeah, well. Yeah. And so dipping their, their feet well into the fantasy genre, um, there mm-hmm. and learning from that experience and whatnot. Um, and the good thing is, is that the fantasy companion is very supplementary to Savage Pathfinder. A lot of people were worried that it was going to be uh, Pathfinder with the serial numbers filed off. Yeah. Um, and it's not no, at no. all. There, there's definitely some stuff that was like, oh yeah, this is basically the same thing that they got from Savage Pathfinder, but it's, um, it's like their, their cantrip system and stuff sure, like that. Sure, sure. Just little things that just make sense in I mean, a fantasy genre to How bring close in. is Pathfinder and D&D? Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. yeah. I mean, once you get around to that, you're, you're trying to capture the feel of of the fantasy class-based system, and they did that. They did a good job of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Path, so. Pathfinder, is, Pathfinder is what happens if you look at D&D and went, what if it had more math? Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's why I've never delved into Pathfinder. Everybody who's yeah. told me is just like, what do you like about D&D? And I give them a list, and they're like, none of that said math. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you don't exactly. want more tactics, and the answer is no, I, I really don't. I didn't hear the word floating or modifier. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly, so... But uh, today we are we are kind of back to uh, general general shows, I guess. Cause general general we, topics. We yeah. didn't. We we did our one hundred and one. We did our system spotlight, and uh, now now we're just kind of having a discussion again. Yeah, we're not here to teach you. And and just having a discussion is actually the topic. Yeah. Of, um, is essentially meta 
Okay, the the broad topic that we call meta, and that yeah. is out of game sharing of knowledge between players about the circumstances within the game. Yes. Um, now meta oftentimes, uh, is used in the term of meta gaming. Um, and that's oftentimes used as a bad thing. A a very negative connotation because you're talking about someone who's bringing out of game knowledge in game. Perhaps your character is a, is a dumb fighter, but somehow you know all of the weaknesses of the beholder. And yeah. all of its capabilities. That's, that's metagaming. Your character's never, never met a beholder, never seen one, probably hasn't picked up a book ever or heard a conversation about them. Why do you know all these things? I heard a horror story about someone who's running, um, running one of the, the standard D&D modules. I can't remember if it was Curse of Strahd or something like that, but it, there's apparently some dungeon in there where like you need to, uh, the, the, the clue was very much like the, like on the, the entrance to the Mines of Moria where it's like, yeah. you know, uh, Speak friend. this person's name has power here or something like that. And the way that you get in is you walk to the door and you say that person's name or something sure, like that. Sure. Um, and the person running it had changed the name of that NPC specifically oh. because of this reason. And, uh, the one of the people in the group walks over to it and goes, "Okay, I just uh, walk up to the door and I just say this," and it was the old name, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I, I see what's going on now." You know, and basically exposed himself as a cheater because the only reason you would know that, especially outside of the context of the game, is if you had read the module. You know, and that's your classic example of metagaming. Yeah, I I remember back in the day, uh, having to tell people like, "Hey, we're going to be doing," you know, uh. Palladium, and mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing rifts. Uh, please don't look into uh, any of the side books, you know, and and don't read the DM section, yeah, because I I want the story to evolve. And you'd always have somebody who'd be flipping through, like, oh, I did look, you know, into it, but I won't be bringing that information. And inevitably, that knowledge kind of leaks out. Yeah, yeah, they try to be real subtle about it and try to be very circumspect, but. Uh, but I, I would actually say, like, that's not the type of meta we're talking about. No, we really not at all. only, we really only said all that to show you that we're not, that's not part of this discussion. Nope, we're, we're actually, leaving that to the side. <laughs> this whole discussion tonight is about metagaming as a positive thing. Yeah, kinda. Meta yeah. discussion. Yeah. Because you're not playing the game based on meta knowledge. It's more the level of communication that goes on between players and storytellers that is outside of the game but pertains to the game it's it's the player's awareness yes of the story the narrative the characters and the actions that are going on there um and i I honestly will have to say that like the more narrative the story is kind of the more meta you need to have yeah i I mean we're, we're gonna get in a little more detail here but we're really just talking about like Do your players, we're talking players, do your players remember the plots? Mm -hmm. Are they noticing the details that are going on between them? Like, they may not even have time to discuss the details. Somebody makes a perception check, sees something, but somebody else may not connect with that. Yeah. Or or they may not even be able to recognize they don't connect with it because it's being spoken. It's not being handed to them as a description written text that they can read, which is some players need, or it's not visually on the table as an item for them to go and look at all of these are things that sometimes get missed over or other players pick up but then never get rediscussed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and in a lot of times in these discussions too like especially for older school players um that didn't kind of grow up with this new uh new wave of like very you know narrative heavy games mm-hmm. and such mm-hmm. like that um you'll you'll hear a lot of we, we grew up with a lot of like let it happen in character 
you know, let it happen in game. Like if they, if that player doesn't notice that thing, then, then their character didn't. Right. And that's just, that's just how the cookie crumbles, you know? Yeah. And, uh, like the more, I, I think I was very much of that mindset. Well, I think we were kind of taught that. Um, but it was actually sitting down at your table playing 7C. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was one of the first times I really heard a storyteller tell me, like, no, go ahead and d- like discuss this in meta. Mm-hmm. You know, go go ahead and table talk with other yeah. characters. Like, you don't you don't have to do this in character. It's fine. Yeah, and and I a, a lot of times I find in those types of stories, especially when you've got someone who's coming late into a game, mm-hmm. like you came late into my D and D game. Yeah. So you don't know much about the world. These characters have been in the world and and developing with it. You know, you have to ask questions because. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more discussion that's happening inside the game world that is beyond us. Like, characters aren't literally dead silent between adventures and scenes. Oh, right. Yeah. You know? And that's the point, is is that you, you if, unless you give some gravitas to that time period that's being used, which often we do not physically have the real-world time to devote to those oh, things. Oh, God, no. Oh, I mean, God, no. I would love to be able to sit down at my table mm-hmm. for... Three hours a week, four hours a week, and run the game, and then have a separate hour worth of just character-to-character narration and beautiful moments. Oh, yeah. But I think that would take, I don't know, a production staff and cash being paid to me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, absolutely. Must be nice. (laughs) I think it's it's a little bit of, like, almost like a critical role effect, you know, one of the critical role effects. One of them. One of them. um, Is that, uh, you know, you you think that you're going to be able to sit there and just just discuss this stuff, you know, and, and have these discussions, and, you know, you're... Uh, any secret, I think, I think, uh, uh, Sean and I were talking about this earlier today. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, the, the, the secrets that you're holding close to your character's chest, you know, you, you want those things to play out in a, uh, a masterful way where 18 game sessions later, all these little secretive moves you've been making happens in this big Marvel universe-esque grand reveal that's a twist that nobody saw coming, but everybody's astounded by. Or like the leverage moment where you, you talk about all the pieces falling into place and the dominoes all hit in the line exactly exactly yeah. but like it so rarely plays out that way mm-hmm. Be- you know you watch critical role and it does happen that way but you don't realize that like the person's big ba- secret backstory gets revealed in episode 58 of a weekly game mm-hmm. that is four hours long mm-hmm. of professional actors who because they know they are doing a long-term thing they're they're making a product that they're getting paid for mm-hmm essentially by the episode, yeah. you know, um, they have the time, they have the breathing room in their narrative to slowly trickle out details like that. Yeah. You know, um, but most of us don't. I, my, my game runs once a month. If I'm lucky, it's mm-hmm. usually more like once every other month yeah. because of just adult life and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we play for what, five, six hours mm-hmm. on average, probably yeah. six hours. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have that much time to sit there and, and trickle out things like that. So if your character's got a secret, you can just share it with us. Right. You know, tell us in some form so that we can lean into it, so we can play, so that secret can get on the table and get interacted with and become part of the story. Mm-hmm. We don't have the time for this, you yeah. know? Yeah, and I, I, I think that's that's the other thing that's kind of coming out of these things is that this, this self uh, 
recognition, this uh, self storytelling. I think was what I kind of came to is that we see this happening within Critical Role. We see this in other uh, other online uh, avenues where you've got these deep characters that the viewers are seeing all this richness to, and they want to build the same kind of rich, richness or even play a version of that character in some other setting. Yeah. And have their own twist on what that, what their secrets, their backstory, their motivations are. And within that, they don't get a chance to actually experience us because number one, we're not Matt Mercer. Mm-hmm. Number two, we're not doing this weekly. Or if we are doing it weekly, it may not even be the same theme or feel. Yeah. So it doesn't fit. But these people have, can teach master courses on, on character creation, development, and, and, and uh, in, involvement. Mm-hmm. Like they've been there for all of that. So we're not saying that it's a bad thing to look at and get inspiration from, but it's a bad thing if you think that's the way the game's going to go. Yeah, exactly. And that your character's going to have this big expose, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the other the other things to, to, to kind of remember, too, is, it, like, we were, we were kind of touching on this before, is that the characters are there 24-7. The characters are in the story 24-7. Players are there for six hours every once every month and a half, and six hours is asking a lot of their focus. They not all six hours of that are they focused. Yeah, I yeah. You. And keeping in mind again, we're not critical role, so we are not hyper focused for those four hours. It is, uh, oh, somebody's up getting a snack, somebody's in the bathroom. I would love to ask the question of the critical staff because I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Is, sure. How many times do they rewatch the previous episode that was recorded so they didn't miss something? I know they've done it a few times. I know they've made mention of like, oh wow, you know, you guys brought. I I, I think Matt has brought it up where he's yeah. like, wow, I didn't expect you guys to bring that NPC back up. I literally had to go back and watch the episode that I made them up in, so I remembered what they were talking about. Yeah. You know, and these guys are professionals, and I assure you yeah. that there is someone on the sideline who's keeping track of things outside of this. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. You know that the social, you know, uh, social media is even watching. Yeah, that, that directs that story just as much. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but but the point being though is that the the characters themselves that you are attempting to portray are immersed in this world, right? Whereas the players are not, and that creates a discrepancy between how you can actually portray your character accurately. Mm-hmm. And what it ends up happening is like your your characters end up getting very like almost ADHD about things. Yeah, if you if you like role play them, you know, seriously because. Mm-hmm. What is just mere moments of break or maybe a day break between, you know, your character's experiences in the game is a month and a half. And maybe you've got a bunch of life stuff going on, you know, maybe you had a rough morning, whatever, like. And I, I think that's to say that where, like, in, in, uh, Suede, interludes are a great, uh, interposition there where you can do something like that where it's literally helping you take a break. Yes. To, to expose something. Now granted, it's a directed expose in many ways if you, if you follow the rules of interlude, but it, I think it's a great way to step into that. I mean, in my game, I think mm-hmm. I had the very, like, we, by inserting the interlude that I did, we were able to expose things. Yeah, sure. I don't, as a storyteller, have to do it directly. I did. Mm-hmm. In some cases, literally hard interject moments where it's like, okay, I'm I'm doing a hard move, but it's for a character history point. Yeah, sure. But you that by having those interludes and those moments of pause where you're you're setting a point in the story or or in the uh, the flow of storytelling to say, I'm giving you guys this opportunity to do this, or do you want to take an opportunity to do this? You're handing that back over to the players. I think meta discussions help 
ignite that fire a little bit. Right, and that's where I was going with that. Is, right, is that is that to to fill in those gaps, having just being able to like table talk as players and just be like, what's going on? What did, what do I remember? Yeah. What's what are we doing here? You know. Uh, and just catch each other up on things, you know, rather than like, oh, no, no, you can't do that. That's metagaming. Your character wouldn't know that knowledge. Well, my character, it's been 30 seconds for my character. My character, this would be fresh in my character's memory. Sarah doesn't remember crap because yeah. I had a busy work week and it's been a month and a half, you know? Well, you also have the, I mean, I, I don't know how many times you've heard this, but I know we both in the, just the last couple of years has heard this as people saying, well, I, I don't want to step in because I'm not that good at gaming and, and I don't recall things like everybody else does. So, so you guys just keep playing and I'll, 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 I'll jump in when I catch up. No, we'll catch you up. Right, but Stop. that's the, how many times does that come up? I know at my uh, at, at our mouse guard table it's come uh -huh. up a few times. I know at your table it's come up a few times. Even at my table, I've watched my players go a little silent, like because they're not sure exactly where they are in the story. Yeah, meta helps fill that gap. Absolutely, it totally lets people come out of their shell just a little bit to ask quote unquote the dumb question. Yeah, sure, and be supportive of it. Why not? Mm -hmm. You know, because again. Your player, your character knows more than you do. Yeah. Knows every time. Every time. And that actually, that's, that's an interesting segue on, uh, in the character knowing more than you do. Um, like, especially when you have, uh, like, super powered, um, settings. Uh, like, I was running Aberrant for a little bit. Uh, and, uh, like, Knox in the Box's roommate was playing a super intelligent character. And, I mean, how do you, how do you roleplay someone with a, you know, 400 IQ. Well, I mean, I, the same kind of thing goes for, like, a lore master. Yeah. Who literally, like, by default has a, you know, uh, their default is a 15 on any lore check. Period. Yeah, PhD in loreableness. So it's like, okay, they know the world. How does that come out naturally? Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't because you need help to do that. Right. You can't, unless that player has spent, you know, the last three months studying the wiki or whatever, you sure. know. It's it's not going to come out in gameplay, and right. so what I did, especially for for the uh, uh, for the aberrant uh, game that I was running with a hyper intelligent character, is I basically told them I'm like, yeah, go ahead and like meta like your brain. How I can uh, the only way I can think to simulate your brain processes working on such a higher level than a, than a, than a baseline human is to add more brains to the equation. Ask other people at the table for ideas because you'd have them. Right. You're literally operating with the power of four brains. Mm -hmm. Do it. Yeah. You know? And and I think in the case of lore, instead of – I've watched uh, storytellers do this, and I think sometimes it can be a little crazy, and that is, is okay, so like, you know, well, I'm a lore master. Uh, which dwarven runes, ruins are these? Like, I, I, I want to know who the, the lord of this area was. And it's Forgotten Realms. And the storyteller's like, uh, uh, uh. And they look around the table to the person who knows Forgotten Realms the most. They're just like, who could it be? And they're like, uh, uh Grum. It's Grum Torchbearers. Like, that could easily mm -hmm. be in this area. He's from this, this region and everything. Excellent. Tell me a story about Grum. Like, and let that player just talk a little bit. Yeah. You know, because they know. Yeah. And, and. They were fine with that. They're like, sure, that's what this, that's what these ruins are. Great, mm -hmm. perfect. We move on from there. Yeah, I think you it's know. great. Let let them let them make up something. You yeah, know? especially if you've got like, a, if you're you don't just have to leave blank spaces for your characters' backgrounds. You can actually leave blank spaces for stories. 
yeah. for for other moments and let your players help fill those gaps just as much as your swordsman who does an amazing strike and you let them explain how they did what they did. Sure. Sure, absolutely. I don't see a problem with that at all. I don't see a problem with it at all. Um one of the uh one of the other uh points you'd brought up earlier um in our, our pre game discussion here yeah. is that uh meta discussion of the story makes players feel better about discussing how the story is going at the table. Yeah, yeah, the whole I mean X carding is one thing. Like yeah. it, it literally sits within its side and I think um we get to that point. But yeah, when we're when you're when you start bringing up meta and allowing your players to kind of go through and explain the story to each other, you start hearing as a storyteller whether or not you're getting your idea across, number one. Yeah, absolutely. And if they are not clicking with it and the story is not going in the direction that they want, some of your players might be like, hey, guys, you know, we're kind of murder hoboing our way through this and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like my character is – I'm not saying it, but I'm flat out like all of my – body language and everything else is kind of spelling in that direction like well you've been doing everything that we've been doing no actually i haven't i haven't used a single offensive spell in any one of those i've always been defending and doing support you guys have been doing all this and i'm I'm kind of backing away oh shit okay so we we read this wrong mm-hmm. you know as a group or you know do i need to change characters so we can continue murder hoboing yeah like yeah. that's a normal thing to do but if you don't have meta discussions to have regular questions being thrown around the table it doesn't encourage that encourages more silence i i think for me it's uh it comes about with a with a shift in perception of what you're doing at the table yes okay the shift in perception being you're shifting the perception of it as a game that needs to be engaged with by rules Mm -hmm. to a narrative that we as players sitting around the table are all engaging with right and we're all contributing what the best way that we possibly can to make it a fun and engaging narrative for everybody else right. and i think that's where that whole narrative that, that the whole meta discussion comes in and that's why it was a big shift for me because i'd always you know played it as a game to engage with by rules which i mean D was for at its core that's what we were taught well sure but the first time i heard that out of your mouth wasn't D D. no that was seventh c right and that was a big shift in perception for me because I'd never played a game like 7C before where it was narrative based. It was, um, you know, encouraged to collaborate on a story rather than here's your stats, go kill monsters. Yeah. You know, so when you were like, no, you guys can meta about this. I was like, really? There's like, that's, but that's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? illegal. Yeah. Um, and, and once, once there was that perception shift of like, okay, hold on a second. So. This isn't a game where you're going to give us word, you know, word puzzles. And if we weren't listening close enough, we don't get to win the game. Right. This is, we're all trying to tell a story. We are all trying to tell a story. Not just me. I know I'm the storyteller. But you're in the story too and you're helping tell it. Let's discuss it so that we can tell the story in the most fun, adventurous uh, way possible. Yeah, exactly. And 7C does a good job of that because you're all heroic, you're all doing heroic things, but it doesn't say how you're going to be heroic. Yep. And as a storyteller, you want to know where your players are going to go with their heroics. Mm-hmm. You know, and part of that is listening to the meta. Part of that is being part of the meta. Yeah, sure. You know, if they're 100% off base with something very simple, it's time for you to step in and help them with that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I can remember a number of times when uh, in games where players are like, dude, we totally can't trust this guy. We got to go this other direction. It's like, well, timeout guys. W- what do you mean you can't trust this guy? 
well, I mean, like everybody else who's been involved with this group has always been untrustworthy, but the, you know, you know, this guy gave us this and this and this, but I think it's just going to lead us down the path. Like, no, this guy, 100%, you can trust. We, we, we established that, that this guy is the, like, he broke rules. He's, he's in danger. He's this, I'm telling you, he's the trustworthy person to follow. Everything he says is fact. Mm-hmm. He's the Yoda character. Oh. Okay, well, in that case, you know, right, you right, know, you right. turned him. He is now a good guy. Let's move on from that point. Oh, all right, got so it. that you don't spend three or four game sessions chasing, you know, vapor trails and red herrings, right? Thinking you can't trust the dude who's literally just trying to help you cross the street. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but you you brought up an interesting uh, 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 point though um, when we were discussing this earlier that. Uh, with so so with with the comfort level of discussing things on that meta level mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. with that shift in perception to this being a story that everybody's trying to tell then when something goes sideways in that story like the for example what happened at my table mm-hmm. um last game session which was where uh Sean did something in character mm-hmm. that you, on a narrative level, on mm-hmm. an out of character level, yep. almost X carded. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but because there was, we'd already established the groundwork for discussing the story as a collaborative storytelling exercise and not as a game with right. rules. You felt comfortable enough to say, "I don't think that this narratively fits." This isn't flowing right. Yeah. In fact, this is outright like aggravating me. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? And then, but, but like I said, the groundwork was already there for it. Right. It was so it, it it helped take an uncomfortable moment and make it a little more comfortable since everybody could be involved. Yeah, and had been involved. It it, it feels it feels like normalizing like leaving your pronouns in your in your profile and stuff like that. You know. Yeah. Like, it lays that groundwork so that when somebody does need to specify their pronouns because maybe their gender isn't, you know, uh, apparent upon first meet, they don't feel like it's an awkward insert now because everybody's already got their pronouns there. You right, know? right. And it's the exact same thing where it's like we don't – I don't feel weird bringing up like breaches of narrative protocol because we talk about narrative protocol all the time. Yeah. You know? Yep, yep. No, I agree. I totally agree. And it it feels weird in other other settings and other cases, like, uh, like, I know a lot of people who go into LARPs, they expect LARPs to be very, uh, um, to be very much protected. And, uh, you, you don't talk meta, you don't discuss things outside of the game. Um, you have to witness and, and handle it. And, uh, again, I, I find that not everyone is an amazing actor and not everyone is involved in every scene. Mm-hmm. And again, you're not LARPing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. So it's how... immersive for the three days you're there, and for the scenes that you're involved in. Yeah. And I think that's that's the other telling part of that is that even in a case where you're physically acting in front of someone else, and you could see and hear and be involved in it, there are plenty of things that are never going to come across mm-hmm. that are super important to that character and that player, but will never ever be adapted to you. Yeah, it's 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 the the weird point that meta comes in and you 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 need to have it to have an effective story. Uh, Hulu actually beats us to the punch here in the live chat. Uh, he says, even though D&D rule is rules heavy, you can invite people into the story. I've actually run main plot points by a player in my game to see what she is thinking. 
Uh, I think that's that's absolutely valid use of meta. Um, uh, and I think that kind of leads us on to our next point, mm-hmm. and that is uh, meta talk between games. Yeah. Not just at the table, but talking about talking to your players about the story about what they're looking for out of the story and stuff like that, and actually, like, collaborating with them on what your next game session should be. Yeah, totally. You know? I mean, especially if you're moving, like, when we're moving from act to act as a storyteller, we have a broad idea of what's going on in the world and the characters involved in it. And I say characters, I really mean the the mover and shakers NPCs. Mm-hmm. Like, those caricatures that we have that are doing things. It doesn't necessarily follow what the players may have done. At the end of the first act, they may have a very different feeling about where they want to take their characters next and what they're interested in than what we want to push on them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key point there is that push point. Yeah. Like, are they right? And we we talked about this, and I can't remember which episode it was where we talk about stories on soft rails where you have a vision of your your acts and your players are not so much changing the world as they are riding the world sure yeah it's the world's going on its way to an apocalypse and they are surviving within it you know kind of a situation obviously there are things happening but even in those cases and almost especially in those cases they are aware of the fact that they're not going to change the world but they have to survive within the setting and do what they're doing right yeah and so you need to know from them where they want to go you need to have those in, in between meta discussions and listen to them yeah and be sure. part of them, whether it's on discord whether it's a vocal conversation whatever or the players are talking back and forth at like a dinner you know on the side and they're just like yeah like i really like what you're doing here but it I want to talk to your character more about this. Okay, like what? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and so many times have I heard people like, well, in the next game, we'll bring this up. Why wait for the game? Like, yeah. There's time. There's just, time. Just talk it out. Yeah, figure it out. Your your characters talk on the road. They talk like all over the place. Yeah. Like I don't see a Keep problem. Keep people updated unless, on you know, it. Yeah. If it's if it's not altering, you know, directly altering the course of a time sensitive, you know, in game thing, you know, yeah. like. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't see an issue with it either. Um, and like my, my big thing is like I oftentimes hear, uh, like usually on, on Reddit and stuff like that, you'll hear people say stuff like, oh, I'm a no prep GM. Oh, you know? Lord. Yeah. And they, they love to wear that like a badge of honor that like, okay, cool. You run your entire thing improv. Um, but you know, it's really simple just to ask your players where they want to go. Mm hmm. Uh, and what they want to do so you can you can actually think about it even if you never write anything you can at least go through thinking like okay i don't you know i don't know if they're going to go to the castle or if they're going to go to the swamp or if they're going to go to the dungeon right i have to prep all three of those things or maybe i don't prep any of those things and i'm just going to wing it well if you just go hey guys what were you thinking about doing like you you've kind of got the castle the swamp or the dungeon you could go to oh yeah no, no we're definitely going to the castle we got to confront the big bad evil guy there Okay. Yeah. Well, now you know you don't need to waste brain power thinking about the swamp or the dungeon. Right. At least not right now. Mm -hmm. You know, if they tell you where they're going, you can prep where they're going. And this is a big habit I've gotten into Mm -hmm. is just asking the players straight up, like, what's the next move? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of, especially a lot of older storytellers, are loath to do that because. We come from that age of, you know, the GM's on one side of the screen and the players are on the other, that adversarial that, sort of relationship versus, of, yeah. like, you know, the players are always trying to fake out the DM and the or, DM is always trying to surprise the players and hit them with, with dangers that they didn't know were there. And, like, I don't have time for that. I don't have the energy for that. Like, I want to tell the best story possible. Mm-hmm. 
if you guys tell me you're going to the castle to fight Count Hasseldor, I will have an amazing map ready for you guys. And if you're looking at our Instagram, you get to see it this week, too. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I will have all those minis painted. Mm-hmm. I will have some cool stuff built for you guys. Yeah. And it's going to be a great experience for you. And that's all because you said to me, I think this is what we're going to do next week. I'm not trying to pull a gotcha. I'm trying to paint stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> you know, but – and then – you have stories like mine where I have a path for the story. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys are going to get there. I don't know which directions you're going to take. I'm going to throw some ideas at you. And I think that's where meta comes into it from the storyteller's perspective is like, okay, we kind of know what's out there. But, like, can you tell us again where we left off and, like, what we know? Because it's been two months and I don't recall. Because I, I can tell you after all these years, almost what once every three sessions, someone says – what orbs do we destroyed? Yeah. What orbs are left? Yeah. Do we know that? Like, where were they? Because it's been years. Yeah, it has. Like, your players, the actual characters know something different than the players do. They're more attached to it. But, like, there's no way that you're, that, 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 that you, you can expect your players to remember everything. It has been a decade for some, for some of yeah. those plot points. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's been a little over a decade for some of those plot points. And it's been, what, five months in game, something like that? Um, I'm, I'm trying to do the math. For the first three acts, you guys crossed, I think, roughly five or six months. And then you shot ahead in time. Yeah. So I think it was like, I think you guys have, the, the characters have roughly spent a little over a year and a half, maybe two years together. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. In total, yeah. If so, you include all the flights with Vampa and things like that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Uh, so one of the other things too um, is uh, is is thinking about like where exactly does the prep for next game stop? Like where where does your responsibility as a storyteller stop, and where does the responsibility as a player start to remember any of these details? I think it's. I I, I would like to say that it's up to really the 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 cohesion of the group mm-hmm. i know that there are groups that that i've been in that are greatly different like when i do mouse guard i make copious notes yeah because i love it and it's fun and it's something that i enjoy doing mm-hmm. in your tamriel game i'm terrible at it like i i try to i did it at the beginning i had great notes at the beginning and then i slowly slid off of that train okay so here and here's the thing and i, I think it's great that you brought up those two things yeah because i think Looking at the narrative weight of both of those stories, though, they require different approaches. Yeah. I mean, Mouse Guard is a wonderful, beautiful story. Yeah. Um, and expertly told by, uh, by, by the Mad Elf. Mm-hmm. But, um, what I would say, though, is it's also a very light story. Exceptionally. It's exceptionally light story. Like, our, our trouble is like, you arrived at this town. Oh, there's a badger. And that sounds so simple when you say it that way of, like, how is that fun? You know, but, yeah. like, the drama that comes out of, like, saving a village of mice from a badger that's trying to dig a burrow underneath their village, you mm-hmm. know, and and then discovering that there are weasels involved. And, like, you, know, you don't really need complex notes for, oops, all badgers, yeah. but – but it's very, but it's very memorable. It's very mm-hmm. easy as a player to take those, take the note taking responsibility upon yourself mm-hmm. and just be like, we went to a village. There was a badger. Then there were weasels. Yeah. Crazy, huh? Yeah. But like for a game like mine, um, 
there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of NPCs involved. Yes. Um, sometimes there are a couple different plots running concurrently with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, that are all they're on the same track. Mm-hmm. In the same area, one's not necessarily distracting from another, but you kind of have an A, a plot and a B plot going on sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but also, at the beginning of my game sessions, I give a full, like, four-paragraph recap of the last game session. You do. You don't need as many good notes because I take on the responsibility of providing a full recap for you. Yep. Yep. Um, and the reason I do that, though, is because I... I don't want you guys to have to rely upon your good note-taking skills to remember what's happened, what is effectively 15 minutes ago for your characters. Right, and to put it back into the perspective of what should you expect from your players, Mm -hmm. I think you can't set expectations. You have to look, ask, and listen. Yeah. And that's what meta's for. Yeah. You know, it's like... I constantly have to remind myself for my D&D game that you don't, I mean, regardless of where the notes are available to you, whether they were emails, whether that's on Discord or whatever, I have to have no expectations. Because the moment that I set an expectation, I'm only letting myself down mm-hmm. as a storyteller of what's really going on there. So if something was super important to you guys in game a day ago, but it's now two sessions since... Because we had a combat session, and then the follow-up session is you guys back at base camp, you know, dealing with whatever it is. You may have absolutely no recollection of what was important. So the recap helps with that, but it doesn't mean that there aren't other elements Mm -hmm. that are just sliding right out the door because they aren't represent, they're not presented and represented in a way that your, your character helps the player. Yeah. Respond yeah. to them. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you, you get to highlight when you when you dictate the game recap, you as the storyteller get to highlight the things you want the characters to pay attention to. The facts of it. The yeah. the facts of it, yeah. yeah. And there have been a couple times where I've literally just been like, The facts you know are these. Mm-hmm. This, 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 and this. Yeah. That's been my recap. My you know? NPC cards include facts. Yeah. And I don't care if some of those facts in those cards that I'm putting out the NPC cards are things you're learning literally moments after I set the card down. Sure. Because it's it's metadata that you need to have as part of the information for what's going on in the story. Yes. It's not ruining my plot that suddenly you now know, oh my gosh, this part of, this person is part of this, the Council of Seven. Like... I didn't know that a second ago, but you put the NPC card down and it says he's part of the Council of Seven. You're literally having a conversation with the dude right now. Mm. Guess what he just said? He's part of the Council of Seven. <laughs> Obviously, that's an important fact that you now need to remember. Guess what? It's written down on a sheet of paper and you read it. Yep. You yep, know, and yep. it'll be there next week in front of you to remind you that it's there. Will you remember that it's there? Maybe not. But it's mm. there for you to read. Uh what do you what do you do if a uh uh if a player um has a plot item on them? And like forgets about it. We, I brought this one up. And yeah. The whole thing about that in my mind is that it's, it's about representing it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think in my case, I would literally do the, like when the players miss it, I would bring out the dumb old guy who's just like, that's a hell of a spear you got on your back there, sir. What's that for? God slaying? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, we do have the God slaying spear. You have been carrying that around literally for the last three and a half months. Yeah. Why didn't we remember that? You yeah. know? Yeah. 
Because you don't look at your damn character sheets, but when you make a roll, and even then you don't read through half the crap you've got on it. Well, and sometimes, too, like, that's, it's, always, it's always a good check, um, because you don't know if, like, the player forgot about it or if you miscommunicated it. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's happened to me a couple times where yeah. I, you know, I, I think players understand the weight and importance of the thing that just happened, and they're like, well, anyways, we're going to go over here, and you're like... Okay, you do understand that is the god slaying spear, not just a nice spear, right? Oh, this is the god. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good. Glad we're all on the same page here. You know. Yep. 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 Um. So I think yeah, if, if a player ever misses something like that, it's always good to double check it just to make sure that you just at least know that you're not the one that forgot to emphasize that that was the important MacGuffin. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to move into questions because I, I think the questions help. The the questions are great. Yeah. This week. Yeah. Really uh, let's, great stuff. Let's hit it. So, uh, give me one. All right. So, uh, Charles, IGJFCF asks, uh, how, he's got several questions out here. He does. Actually. We'll skip around. How do you feel about keeping in-character secrets out of character? Are games better when all in-character secrets are only secret in-character? I hate that term. I hate the in-character secrets versus out-of-character secrets. I think that... No, I see what he's saying. So he's I, he's referring to, like, if someone's wanting to play something close to the chest, do you reveal that that character, like like Thalian mm-hmm. in, in my game, um, has uh, stolen one of the, the Daedric artifacts that you guys have uh, uh, come across? And right. Use some illusion craft to make it look like it was destroyed. Right. Okay, now, none of you... In game, you have some of you have suspicions. Yeah. Um, none of you in game know that he stole that thing. No. Out of game, it was very apparent to everybody. Correct. So, do you keep those secrets both in and out of game secret, or do you allow the players at the table to know that the secret exists, but trust them to to play it as if they don't know it, i.e., metagaming in character? I think it depends on the narration level of your plot. I think if everybody's a storyteller in your game, everyone needs to know aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And the more that you keep hidden in a narrative story, especially one where the players aren't that interactive except for outside of scenes. You know, if you don't have an active way for them to expose them, when when does that reveal have any weight because there's zero investment? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great answer. I mean, here actually. here's here's a great idea. If in every one of your scenes you have a white rabbit like that shows up in a with a a mask and a, a and, and a cape, and it just it's there. It's a secret. As a storyteller, it's there. You haven't you've revealed nothing about it. No one knows why it's there or anything. And then forty episodes in, suddenly that's the supervillain, and it ha ha! I've been doing this to you the whole long. You're like, what? What's What's the investment? There was none. It's 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 one of the reasons I I started disliking Doctor Who when Stephen Moffat started doing all the writing because he's famous for that. Correct. Like here's a character you just met five minutes ago, and the big reveal is they were this character's sister the entire time. I just met them. I don't care. Yeah. Like, that reveal had no like cool. Okay. Sure. Congratulations. Right. You know, and, and it just it feels like pseudo intellectualism to me. Yeah. Um. You know, I I agree. I agree that people need to know about it so that they understand the impact of it and they um, have an investment. I also think that, um, especially after having the conflict at the table that we did have, um, mm-hmm. I'm a I I I think I'm a lot more of a big proponent of uh everybody's cards on the table. Sure. Um. 
you don't have to know everything in character, but at least I want to know your character's motivations out of character so that sneaky side deals don't feel like you're trying to screw the, the, the group over mm-hmm. so that people understand that you're, you know, what your character's true motivations are so they can at least be in on it. Because mm-hmm. even if your character's off doing something by themselves, you still have other spectators at the table that are still taking part in that story. I was still going to bring I was going to bring that up cuz your your the players in your game are also part of the storytelling, but they're 100% the audience as well. Mm-hmm. And if the audience isn't aware of what's going on, there's yeah. no enjoyment. Yeah. Like and and that's that's the truth of the matter. The players are the audience, their characters are the active parts of it and the the part that they pen. And if they don't know what's going on to be able to continue penning or even ask the question, there's no investment. So Exactly. Uh, all right. Um, let's grab a question here from Nevim. Sure. Um, uh, go ahead. Uh, Nevim asks, uh, every table is unique, uh, yet would you advise sparring before the game or after the game sessions uh, some out-of-game talk? Sparing? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, sparing before uh, for the game or after the game sessions some out-of-game talk. What topic might be useful to talk about? Oh, to try and get, like, just conversation between people? I'm thinking just to kind of break the ice so that it's not just we're sitting down and gaming and then suddenly people are, you know, not having everybody's having side conversations and things like that, but they're not having conversations. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I think I think we pretty much we, we usually do this at our at our tables. Mm-hmm. Well, like there, there's there's kind of like a all right, we, we all haven't seen each other in a while. Social Let's up. sit down yeah. and just for the next 20 minutes, I'm just going to be very patient as everybody gets their gets their drinks. The coffee grinder goes off and people get settled with their snacks mm-hmm. and whatnot. And um, a, a, a line that I took actually from Talos and Jaffe of, uh, of Critical Role back in the early days and they're doing uh, uh, their little GM mm-hmm. classes. Uh, yeah. Uh, saying. um is everybody settled in and seated comfortably? Yeah. And that is – those are the words I use to get everybody focused on like, oh, 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 it's serious. Right. She's asking if we're seated comfortably. You know, mm-hmm. first off, are you settled in and seated comfortably? Nope. Nope. Let's let's grab what we need. But also that's code word for mm-hmm. we're about to begin. No, I think that's great because that helps – That that's the dinner bell. That's the, yes. you know, the reminder that you're connecting to it. I think that uh, – for out-of-game topics, one of the first things that, like, we usually do as a group is we check in with each other to see, you know, on a light level, where are you at? Are you oh, tired? Yeah. Are you hungry? Is yeah. it been a bad week? Because that, as a storyteller and as other fellow players, we can key in on, like, what do we need to make this a comfortable space, both in in our conversations and our expectations of those players. I'm bad about that. Um, the Mad Elf is amazing at that. He's in, well, he's classically trained. Yes, that's he has a trained. master's he's, degree in it. He is. He's actually a, a <laughs> mental health professional. So uh, yeah. saying "How are you?" is never just a pleasantry with him. No, no, it's <laughs> it's a check. It is definitely a check. So, um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I love I love our live chat. I seriously, <laughs> talk, do. talk amongst yourselves. I'll yes. give you a topic. Yeah. Uh, Huluvu asks, um, if you suspect that a player is purposely violating metagaming boundaries that you have established at the table, how do you confront the player? How does your answer change if you're another player and not the DM? <sighs> um. Okay. Well, first off. Uh, the, the key advice to something like this is, uh, never deal with an out of game problem in game. 100%. 
Um, so don't do something like, oh, I'm just going to make the, all the monsters attack them or something like that. Or, or I'm going to change the monster. You yeah. Know? Don't do yeah. it. Don't, don't do that. If it's an out of game problem, it gets handled out of game. Mm-hmm. Um, and metagaming is an out of game problem. So, yeah. uh, I, I think the first time it happens, uh, you politely, but assertively say like, I don't think your character would know that, mm-hmm. you know, but obviously if it trends, uh, then you're going to have a larger discussion about, like, look, you, you've you really got to draw some lines between in-character and out-of-character. Mm-hmm. Your character has this background, knows these things, does not know these other things, mm-hmm. would have no familiarity with that information you tried to bring in-game. Exactly. Can we... Can we maybe tone that down? You know, can we, do you, do you need to have a bit of more of a discussion to get a firmer grasp on your character of what they would and wouldn't know? Maybe there's some confusion on your part. Mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. you don't understand that your character wouldn't know these things, you know? Right, right. Or, or even so much that some people have a hard time letting go of the knowledge that they have. Yeah, sure. About things. Um, I know that, uh, <laughs> I was involved in one game where a player was a monster hunter because he had a really hard time not forgetting the monster manual. Oh, and so he just had encyclopedia, uh, encyclopedic knowledge of monsters yep. because it fit his profession because the player constantly knew these things. But he made it a point that he knew nothing about, like, society yeah, or sure. politics or anything it. else. He was just I a complete terrible person when it came to, like, even barroom chat was terrible for him. Sure, Geralt. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, like, monsters? 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd walk out the door and he'd be like, oh. That's a werewolf. It's, you know, we need this, this, or this to kill it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, what we should, what should we do? Run. We're in a tiny town. What are you going to do? Throw coins at it? You know? Right, <laughs> right, like, right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, when you're a player, I would, if, and I, I'm going to put it this way. If you're uncomfortable with other players at your table, address it with the DM in, in a comfortable way of saying, hey, this is what I'm uncomfortable. It doesn't matter if they're metagaming or if they're making the game uncomfortable by some other means. If you're not enjoying yourself, bring it up. Yeah. Um, if you do things like, um, wishes and stars at the end of your game, if you do, if you do, if you do, if you do a breakdown session at the end of your sessions, um, uh, I would say that's actually probably a good place to bring it up. Like, you know, I, my, my star for this session was that scene where Rob did a spit take. Um, yes. and, uh, my, my wish for this was, um, I just felt like there was a lot of out of game knowledge being brought in. Uh, can we, can we talk about that, you yeah. know, and broach the discussion, you know, yeah. uh, I, I would say do it, do it gently though, especially if, if whether you're a storyteller or a player, yeah. um, never assume malice when, uh, carelessness or, or just ignorance yeah. explains the, 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 the issue. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll bring something up in, uh, in an earlier it, when we were fighting the troll. Mm-hmm. We had an instance of slight metagaming mm-hmm. where one of the players rushed the troll because they had experienced trolls before and thought they knew how to handle it. But that experience was not from playing at the table. Oh, well, it was just the movement rate. They were like, I don't think he can make it here. Right, but that knowledge yeah. came from an experience um, with a situation. I don't know that that was that big of an issue. Because because there there is a certain rate of speed you expect out of land-based bipedal creatures. Right. And I, I don't think that was an unreasonable expectation. I don't think it was a metagame situation. I'm putting in this perspective that it was meta. It was someone making an expectation 
and it could have been construed as that. I didn't see a problem with it in either way. The way you handled it was perfectly fine. Yeah. But the discussion felt like that. Well, well, well the way I, the way I handled it was uh, I had already written the monster up and right. it had 10 more mo- feet of movement speed than the base template was. Yeah, exactly. Because, because this was an exceptional example of that particular monster. No, and I thought it was fantastic. But I mean, I think that's a case where like literally it was just handled yeah. and we moved on and it didn't disrupt the flow of the game. Yeah. So well, I think it wasn't a problem. Yeah. Right. So I think if you've got a player who metas accidentally or something like that once or twice, it's it, does it destroy the game? No. No, it really doesn't. Does it ruin your fun? No. It really if doesn't. it does, talk to your DM. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. So we mentioned that uh, uh, Charles, Charles had, some questions. Had, had like a bunch of questions. Charles gonna, has questions. We're, we made the round. We're going to go back. Uh, do you enjoy the type of gameplay where the player is challenged, puzzles, or uh, for example, rather than the character? Or should the challenges always only exist for the character? That is 100% based upon the mechanics, the system, and the story. I I would say that there are that there are definite systems and storytelling t- styles where I would say challenge the players uh, at the table through their characters. And uh, because you're not dealing with an intelligence level, you're dealing with a luck chance on whether or not they're going to handle something properly. Um, for instance, Dread. Mm-hmm. You can totally do that with. Because again, Dread is very simple. It's it's mechanics are designed of pass or fail. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can totally do those types of things. I think in role playing situations where you're LARPing, one hundred percent, why not? You're you are your character. There's a breakdown point. But I think you can't you can always take that too far. Yeah, exactly. Just as much as you can do it for social, whether or not you're saying puzzles or something, you you could do the same thing about a social situation and, and make your players make a case. Instead of actually making social roles, which happens all the damn time. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm pretty against it personally. Mm-hmm. No, but, no. I, but look, look here, yeah. and I think the important, the important answer here is that's really up for your table to yep. decide. One hundred percent. I know a lot of people who love the the idea of themselves personally being challenged and their characters really just proxies for that in the game world. Right. Um, I personally am very against it. Mm-hmm. Your your fun is not wrong though. Nope. But at my table, it's always going to be challenging the characters. Yeah. Um. For for uh, instance, uh, uh, Sean's character is a silver tongued noble. Mm-hmm. Um, wheels and deals, gets whatever he wants, looks danger in the eye, and says, "Hey, let's make a deal." Right. Instead, you know. Uh, Sean, however, um. Uh, basically has generalized anxiety about a lot of things and does not like confrontational conversation confrontation does not like a lot of socialization pretty introverted and stuff like that um and so these two things are very opposite so if i were to look sean in the eye and be like all right make your case make your deal he he'd be like i i don't in fact because i because i have i've asked him for that before and he's been like i i don't i don't know i'm I'm not a silver-tongued noble. And I went, you know what? Fair enough. Make because I don't ask the fighter at the table to explain to me the sword technique he's using. I just ask him for a to-hit roll. Right. So I should not be asking my silver-tongued noble for a persuasion argument mm-hmm. in roleplay. I should be asking him for a social role. Yeah. Make your role, then say. And and then I we'll always, narrate it. I love that concept. Yeah. Like, one of my favorite parts is always the, you know, person goes up to a guard and it's just like, hey, I want to persuade him to let me into town. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Explain what you're doing. 
No, make the roll. Yeah, make the roll first. Okay, uh, I make the roll. Wow, you you rolled really well. He, in fact, you 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 made a critical success. So something miraculous happens. What do you say to him? Uh, I start singing a song. Okay. He starts crying. And says, like, hugs you and says, my mother sang that song to me mm-hmm. when I was a child. Like, that's the miraculous moment, you know? So, yes, I think you can get around it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you want to hit a few more of these and I'll, I'll go, let us go a little farther? Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. Um, alright, so the next question, uh, do you plan out, uh, do you plan out player versus player scenes ahead of time, uh, out of character with the other player? Um, <sighs> I wouldn't say we've planned any player versus player scenes. Um, I typically don't like to have player versus player at my table. There have been verbal conflicts, especially between Rob, your character, and Sean's character. I, I, so I agree with that. I don't, we don't plan it. Neither of us plan it out. Um, I think that if two players believe that they're coming to a point, mm-hmm. That you should at least meta discussion. I, yes. So that everyone's yes. together on it. Um, I've been in, uh, I was in a 7C game where we had two players who literally, the characters were coming to loggerheads because they had very different ideologies that they finally recognized they had mm-hmm. and they were going to duel. Mm-hmm. Not to the death or anything, but to an injury point, but it made it seem like they were going to duel to the death and when when the when we were discussing it outside because the rest of the players are like hey you guys are gonna duel they're like yeah and the the storyteller was like okay what's going on you're like you're like you guys okay like oh no no we're fine we talked about this but the the truth of the matter is we're at loggerheads and we need to resolve this Mm -hmm. so we're going to resolve it with a duel and one of the players just set up flat out said i'm fudging my dice i'm going to lose like intentionally, my character needs to lose this okay. fight, and okay. then everyone's just like, "Okay." And he, the the storyteller, just basically said, "When you choose to lose, take a drama die, just fail the roll." Yeah, but take a drama die when you do. Like, okay, mm-hmm. and they played through the scene and had a beautiful duel, and there was a loss, and the other person took the injury and accepted their loss and and agreed with them, and they moved on from that moment, but. That loss built character. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it was a wonderful way of handling it and it was discussed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't, uh, I mean, that, uh, first off, that's great. Yeah. I absolutely love that those two players took the time to discuss this and kind of, you know, work it out with themselves, uh, out of character before they, before they played it in character. Um, where like the arguments between you and Sean have erupted, um, at the table, mm-hmm. or I should say between Thalene and Theodane have erupted between the table, there have been those moments where you've looked at each other out of character and been like, You cool? Yeah. We're we're cool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah, no no. Or that's... even beforehand, I'm just like, by the way, this is totally good game. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you lay just lace into him. You're like, this is out of game, but <laughs> screw you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just drop it. And then you both laugh about it yeah. at the end. Like, and you, you, you both like lean into, yeah, yeah. you both lean into and, uh, uh, and, and, and appreciate that rivalry. And I, I absolutely love that. But, but there are those checks though. When, when stuff starts hitting the wall, there's, there's that moment where you just look at him and you go like, we get, hey, we're, we're cool. This yeah. is a, this is a game and yeah. I'm having fun yeah. with this. Yeah. We're, know? we're into characters. We're really enjoying this. We already agreed that the next game, we're just going to play like bosom buddies who are locked together, like master blaster. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. Midget on the shoulders. We got this. You know, right. Kind of, right. Like, you know, totally changed it up. <laughs> we already call you guys Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. It's true. 
It's true. Um, um, all right. And the last question. Um, what do you do when, what do you do dirtbag? Uh, what do you do when people suddenly start an out of character conversation about memes, video games, news, etc. in the middle of an RPG session? Do you say no chat only game or some more polite version? Do you have a time limit on that? Yes. Yes. We've both done it. Um, when it becomes a serious situation, I usually pause and and make a note like hey guys can we focus and if if we can't if it turns that like there a break needs to happen that literally that kind of things take five minutes mm-hmm. let let them get it out of their system and roll through it you know but a lot of times it's that that distraction is coming from something else either it's coming from the fact that they haven't seen each other or something just happened an event just occurred kind of a thing mm-hmm. and uh like uh, we had a moment during my game where literally a horse-drawn funeral carriage was rolling by the house. Yeah. And it just dead-stopped my game. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, you don't see that every mm-hmm. day. And honestly, I've seen it three times in the last 30 days, which is kind of terrifying. But um, And it's beautiful at the same time. But the point is, is that your game needs breaks. We are human. There are going to be outside influences. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be things that we need to show off. And if a player comes late to the game and they sit down at the table and they didn't get that energy out of that that breakdown, that communication, they might need a few extra moments. And it's always better to establish a breaking. And I honestly think if you can, and I'm terrible, I'm absolutely terrible at this, of breaking like a few minutes every hour. Mm-hmm. To give people a moment to stretch, go to the bathroom, grab something. You can do it between scenes, but sometimes you get rolling and it's been three hours. That's, yeah, that's, that's one of and my that's problems. Hard. Yeah. That's, it's, yeah. it's really hard as a storyteller to do that, but you've got to try. You've got to do those moments so you can let your players have the moment to break out of their character, to laugh at something funny together, or even discuss something that just happened two scenes ago in a funny way. Yeah. You know, like, I, I love it when I can just be like, I've been holding this back, but, but like that last scene, this is when the doom music kicked in, you yeah. know, kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's yeah. those kinds of things. Everybody laughs. You have a nice serotonin uptake. Everybody keeps rolling through it. Yeah. So I think it's good to do it. I think it's good to create a pause when you need it. And it's, if you're having a serious moment and people aren't connected to the story, but if you feel like the detachment is there, give them five minutes. Let them get it out of their system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I know I've mentioned uh, mentioned him a couple times during this this uh, cast alone, um, but uh, uh, the Mad Elf is phenomenal at doing this. Um, uh, at the beginning of his game sessions, he does a vibe check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, how, how are you doing today is never just a pleasantry with him. It's an actual honest-to-goodness question. And uh, he tends to base the vibe of his game sessions off of that answer. You know, mm-hmm. we'll tell him like, I'm oh, really low energy today. I, I slept crappy and mm-hmm. work week was terrible. And just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of coasting into this game and hoping for a nice relaxing day, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, he's like, okay, well, I've, I've heard that from a couple people, you know, yeah. let's take a few extra breaks today. Mm-hmm. If you guys need to just, you know, work out some, some tension or whatever and, and, and do that. That's cool. We'll take an extra long break, get some snacks and whatnot work through it and then we're ready to come back to the table and ready to come back to the story we'll do that then too mm-hmm. you know so i mean not all of us are trained mental health professionals mm-hmm. but we can at least take a note from that of vibe check the table mm-hmm. and be prepared to just relax yeah some sometimes your your players are just going to be really scattered because of out of you know game circumstances that have nothing to do with what's happening at the table and 
what they need, what your friends need, mm-hmm. is a relaxing day that does not tax them emotionally or mentally. Yeah. And also setting the expectations that if, if you know going into the next session, it is going to be a serious session, let them know. Yeah. And if they come to the table like, I don't think I'm prepared to have a serious session right now, maybe do a, you know, flashback session. Mm -hmm. Maybe do something else, some backstory. Give them that out instead of just canceling and being grumpy that your thing didn't happen. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, well, I think that just about does it for questions. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, next week we actually have a very special guest, a friend of, I, I have met him. Yes, you've definitely met uh, uh, d- the doctor. But very close friend of yours. Yeah, uh, I, I met Jason through people uh, in, in a funny way, but uh, Jason is a, a, a professor. He uh, is actually a professor at the University of Toledo. Uh, it's we I've tried to get him on the show before, but because he's a professor, that's kind of hard to do. Yeah. But we're kind of in a nice break point here for him. Mm-hmm. So he was just like, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, so if everything, if all the stars align next week, we will have him on as a guest. Uh, and, uh, he did his doctoral thesis on role-playing. So he is a doctor of role-playing. Yep. And I love saying People call those... him Dr. Dice. No, they don't really call him no, Dr. No, Dice. No, nobody calls him that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he's got a, he's got a unique history and a, a wonderful, uh, um, <laughs> collage of people that he knows within the gaming community uh and then the freeform gaming community as well mm-hmm. um which sits outside of what we consider gaming and kind of sits more into what role play does for handling other situations mm. helping people understand the dynamics of of communities um but there are certain things that still apply between all of those and it's interesting we've had some great yeah. discussions so we're going to have a discussion with him we're going to talk about some interesting topics some things that we were going to be actually talking about this week uh with somebody else uh that we're going to bring up with him and we're just going to have a nice time of it it'll be a, i think it'll be a, a little bit of a guided discussion because we could talk for literally hours yeah so yeah, but so, uh, someone who's done their doctorate in gaming so yeah. uh all right well you can find us on twitter at st underscore conclave on instagram at st underscore conclave listen to us live every wednesday night 7 p.m eastern time we are on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave and uh, join us up on our discord we would love to uh, hear some questions from you have you join the discussion bounce some ideas for your campaign off there lots of great uh, great people up on there uh, lots of other storytellers to, uh, to converse with you can find that link on our twitter as well as our website storytellerconclave.com we'd like to thank our patreon members who help support us every month especially our name members Knox in the Box uh, Subject Sam The Arcana Simons uh, Sparkle Motion Veteran and Hulavu we really appreciate your support our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems you can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems our Intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank yep, you so Sean, much for loving. Yeah, the, Sean's actually hanging <laughs> He's out literally in the right room there, right so. there. Uh, uh, all of our friends that sat with us at our tables over the years give us all these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. We love you. Good night. Good night. Good night.